Welcome to another edition of Ask Wrexham. I'm Mark Griffiths from Wrexham AFC. And, well, every week I try to answer your questions. Going slightly different this time, because I promised last week I'd give a sort of beginner's guide to our opponents in League Two. So here it is. Um, I think, obviously, if you're new to the club or new to football, I'm hoping this will be quite a useful introduction to what we can expect from the 23 teams we'll play in the league. And if you're not, maybe it's a fun refresher anyway. So... You know, hopefully uh, you'll be able to to get something from it. The, by the way, um, as an English teacher, I'm just going to apologise for my lack of command of alphabetical order, because the fact of the matter is that <laughs> for some reason, and I, it's not important enough for me to change it, but important enough I feel for me to point out, the s slides I'm going to show you, I did them in alphabetical order. They're not working in alphabetical order. So, you know, when the teams go out of order, just ignore it, please. I'll probably fail to. Anyway, let's have a look at it. Now, Wrexham coming up back into the Football League. We are finding a few more local games and certainly a lot more of our traditional old enemies that we're going to come up against. I mean, to be boring... Uh, the reasons partly why there are so many northern teams is because of the early days of English football where it was very much a working class sport and so as a result really the, the first places to, to pick up football properly were well, a swathe of the country starting in North East Wales where Wrexham is and, and there'd be other teams around who now would be considered more like village teams teams like Chirk who aren't even in the top level of Welsh football who at that time were real pioneers and forerunners of the professional game. And then in a gentle curve going northwest, northeast rather, up through Lancashire, Manchester area, the mills all around there, and the industrial revolution, I said the industrialised band across Yorkshire and then up into the northeast. And that was the main or one of the two main hotbeds of football when it was developing, the other one being Scotland. Quite interesting that actually, because in the early days of competitive football, Scotland just seemed to have its own style of play, very different from in England and Wales, where they were more interested in passing, whereas the Welsh and English were more interested in physically charging up the pitch and using their strength. And so the Scots were seen as skillful. Wrexham succeeded in importing quite a few of them because we have lots of coal mines. A lot of the Scottish football teams were around towns with coal mines a lot of their players were miners and Wrexham were able to attract Scottish players down when you know it's fairly unusual for players to move around simply because we could offer them a job in the local mines but anyway so there you go let's have a look at the first of our opponents and they are straight from the very heart of that strip I mentioned Accrington Stanley now Accrington Stanley have a, a a very checkered history which it's uh, has been mocked in the past i mean they were early on in the football league they've never got higher than the third tier though and they went out of business in the 60s were resurrected and it was only in the 2000s that they managed to get themselves back up into the football league they were mocked famously and a lot of people in Britain will know them mostly for this, in an advert for milk, in which two little kids who were supposed to be Liverpool fans are getting a glass of milk. And one of them says, Ian Rush says, if I don't drink my milk, I won't be good enough to play for I won't be I won't be good enough to play for Liverpool. I'll have to play for Ashington Stanley. 
And the other kid says, Accrington Stanley, who are they? And the first kid says, exactly. And that was always, I mean, poor Accrington, the thing that was sort of driven at them. They must be so sick of hearing it. Accrington Stanley, who are they? Exactly. People think they're funny when they say it. Um, fair place for Accrington. They came back up and they they renovated their stadium. It's still a very small stadium. They can't really have very high ambitions as such, I suppose, because of all this. Although, having said that, they're extremely well run by a guy called Andy Holt, who was also extremely keen on uh, sticking, standing his ground and sticking up for the smaller clubs when it comes to football league negotiations, etc. But he runs his club very well. He budgets for them very well. And they're one of those sides that you don't expect them to be big. Uh, and progress on maybe but you do expect them to put up a proper fight up uh, we had a horrible experience when we went there in their first season back in the football league because we went there we were in terrific form we thought they were going to be a pushover and they beat us 5-0 uh, I think that maybe is an indication of what it's like to, at Accrington where they are a testing club pretty local as well less than 75 miles away so a pretty local club for Wrexham I've put a little spiciness factor on the side, uh, out of five, and by the way, five is Chester, Shrewsbury, basically. I give them two chilies out of five. You know, they're pretty local. We go back a long, long time, back to 1921, in terms of playing against them. But I don't think there's really any great proper rivalry between us. Right, next club. Uh, Gillingham. There's a jump from one to. I told you about the alphabet, didn't I? Gillingham down in the southeast. An another team that have never really made big moves up the football ladder. The third tier, the League One, the best that they've achieved. Struggled last season. Were just outside the scrap to avoid dropping down into the National League. Very distant beyond London. So a good long track for us. And not a team that we've got a huge amount in common with. Until the 50s. The third division was split between North and South, and there was no fourth division. The Gillingham therefore played in a different division to us, and it was only you know in the fifties there was a real possibility of us playing in the league football. And yeah, I wouldn't say it's a particularly storming uh, fixture, in all honesty. So Gillingham, are you traditionally like well always a, a yo-yo team between the third and fourth tiers. Next up. Grimsby. Now, this is a bit more spicy. Muy picante. Gorby says that this is a club that has a, a sort of an interesting relationship with us. Obviously, they're rivals, and the clear narrative is going to be that 5 4 playoff defeat that we suffered the season before last. Um, but I would also say, I, I wouldn't say there's any particular dislike between these two clubs. And I think that when we were in the National League together, I think we were part of a smaller band of ex-football league clubs and I think there was a pretty good relation between us. Also remember that after losing that semi-final, Wrexham fans contributed to the cost of Grimsby fans getting down to the southeast because the cost of travel and tickets was so prohibitive. So there's a certain positivity. We also share Sean Pearson, who was uh, an inspirational captain for them and then became an inspirational captain for us. So uh, there's quite a lot in common, but I still think it's quite a spicy fixture simply because of that football rivalry, that 5-4 is one of the most remarkable games in either of our club's histories, uh, with such high stakes as well. And so that's what makes it a big one. They have reached a top level, but 
that was before uh, the Second World War and briefly afterwards as well. So they're not uh, traditionally a big club, really. A club we normally would consider to be, like, say, third, fourth tier sort of clubs. They're right across the other end of the country. They actually don't play in Grimsby. They play in Cleethorpes, which is a holiday resort a couple of miles down the coast from Grimsby in a ground called Blundell Park, which is quite an old-fashioned-ish sort of ground, but has a nice atmosphere as a result of it. So Grimsby, a really good sort of traditional northern team with a bit of rivalry against us, which is pleasant rather than unpleasant. Next up is Harrogate Town, and now we go from a team with a long history against us to a team with hardly any history. Although we've come across each other quite a lot in recent years, I've given them one chilli. Maybe I should have given them two. I don't know. Harrogate Town have only just got up, what, three years ago into League Two. That's the highest they've ever been. When they got into the National League a couple of years earlier, it was the highest they'd ever been then. So this is, these are real heady days for Harrogate Town. A lovely club, very friendly club, in a beautiful town in Yorkshire, a, a real sort of tourist spot for its architecture. And it's it, what used to be a... A resort for well-to-do Victorians to, to visit. It's a nice place to go. Uh, they have got into League Two and since then their battle really has been to stay in League Two and so far they've achieved that without pulling up any trees in all honesty. A nice neat little ground as well. Um, we have played them quite a bit because we drew them in the trophy the year before they came up. They beat us at the race course but it's got to be said we picked very much a second string team and in those days our squad depth was nowhere near as deep and we also have played them in the FA Cup last season no season before they knocked us out in the first round but they were a league team then and, and we put up a good scrap you may remember Jordan Ponticelli scoring the goal we lost 2-1 and we've had a couple of decent results I think we've, as as we've lost there if I'm off the top of my head we had a superb win the season before, when we were in danger, or the season or two seasons before, when we were in danger of slipping down into the relegation battle in the National League, and they were going for promotion, and we got a terrific 2 0 goal uh, win, sorry, with a fantastic free kick from James Jennings, and then an equally impressive solo goal by JJ Hooper. So, got a pretty decent record against them, and played them a lot more recently compared to, well, the rest of well, haven't we hadn't played them until this little bank of cup ties and league matches next up Mansfield Town free chilly fixture no question now Mansfield are I think I've made a mistake on the graphic by the way because I put the highest they've got is the fourth tier. that's definitely not true they have been higher but they are a traditional lower division side again uh, you know so sort of usually third and fourth divisions they dropped down the same season as us into the National League 15 years ago I think that gives us something, so we, we shared that. But then Mansfield went up a couple of years later. We've had some memorable games with Mansfield in the short time we are both in the National League. In the great season where we got 98 points but still didn't go up, we had a brilliant 3-2 win there. It really was utterly thrilling. Um, Jay Harris scoring from outside the box, a late winner. Mark Jones at his best, Andy Morrell scoring with our head. It was a great game. Um, we've had unpleasant experiences there because the following season, Josh Miebe, our keeper, unfortunately conceded the goal by the other side's keeper, Alan Marriott, and it wasn't a penalty. Marriott has kicked it long, Miebe misjudged it, and it bounced horribly over his head, and he let in a rather embarrassing goal. 
Also, it'll mean a lot to Mansfield because they beat us to win the title the season that they went up in the National League. They beat us 1-0. So that's certainly significant for them. It's, you know, you, you can get there within two hours comfortably. It'll be a, so it's a fairly localish game. The fans historically have got on well. In fact, they had their own ownership problems and we had a demonstration against their owners when we played against them, which the Wrexham fans joined in with. Not not spontaneously, they planned to join in with it, and there was a big sort of joint demonstration. And the two sets of fans were walking around the edge of the pitch with a, a banner saying, you know, Wrexham and, and Mansfield United. I think football fans sometimes tend to forget that quite quickly, but nonetheless, there is a certain similarity, a certain unity that we have with them. In the 70s, we nearly got promoted and they beat us. Uh, it was a horrible situation when we needed one draw out of the last two home games in a week and they were the first team we played against. They went up instead because they won. Then Crystal Palace beat us and they went up. It wasn't fun. So, Bansfield, yeah, a club with a, a, quite a spicy history against us. Another side of a spicy history is one that I did mention last week because we played them last week. MK Dons, who were a... a Let's not kid ourselves, they're very unpopular amongst football fans. They're a manufactured club. The owner bought the, the basically Wimbledon and then transported them north and, in essence, killed Wimbledon, who have come back as AFC Wimbledon wonderfully. Um, so MK Dons, very unpopular, although it's the Football League's fault for allowing them to do it, I would say. They've gone up briefly as far as the second tier, having joined the Football League in the 2000s, but they've mostly been between... Leagues three and four, which I think would be disappointing to them and to people and come on their owner because I think he really thought that he'd be able to turn Milton Keynes, which is a big city. Reason it hasn't got a traditional football team is it's a new town built after the Second World War, but it's big. It's got a lot of business, you know, sort of impressive business in there, you know, big companies, and so yeah, I think they he felt that they were ripe to take up the divisions, but it hasn't quite panned out like that. That stadium capacity there, 30,500, biggest stadium we'll be playing at this season. It is deeply impressive. The last time Wrexham played in it, it's the only time we played in it, actually, um, it was, wasn't was completed. So the only the lower tier was open. The upper tier didn't have its seats in it yet. But yes, MK Dons, their stadium, Stadium MK, is very impressive. Uh, they don't fill it, of course. They are a team with a lot of ambition, but like I said, not quite coming off yet. Much of the light of the rest of us, let's be frank. Right, next up, Morecambe. And Morecambe, right up from the top of Lancashire, on the coast. Um, we've only played them a couple of times, or three times, actually. We played them when they were a non-league team and beat them heavily, 5-0 in the Papa John's Cup, as it is now. And then our last season in the Football League was their first in the Football League. And we beat them... Oh, hang on a second. Yeah, we beat them at home, 2-0 or 2-1, I think. And then we drew two all away when we were deep in, in the trouble. 
a nice traditional non-league team is how I would sort of describe them. Although, to be fair, they've been in the football league for 15, 16 years now, so maybe I shouldn't call them that anymore. They've moved to a new stadium, which is good. You know, I guess progress. But their old stadium was lovely. I, I liked it. It was just a very old-fashioned football ground. They were renowned as well for the chips with peas that they used to serve. I wonder if they still do. I'll find out. Um, so, yeah, there is no animus between them and us. There's no spiciness between them and us. You know, they're sort of fairly local, about an hour and a half away in the car. But, yeah, there's there's no rivalry or, or dislike, to be frank. We've only come across ourselves very briefly, haven't we? Newport County, on the other hand, muy picante. I mean, I'll tell you. Newport County have got as far as the second tier, and in fact have got, as well, like us, to the quarterfinals of a European competition, despite being a lower division team. Um, again, another team you expect to be in the third or fourth divisions. Now, they went completely out of business in the early 90s. Was it late 80s, early 90s? Um, and has a restart. They came to Wrexham in 2003 as they were making their way back up the leagues, and we walloped them 6-1. Because they, you know, they've done very well to get that far. They they weren't the finished product yet. But, well, I mean, there's some spiciness, obviously, because they're a Welsh team, albeit a South Walian team, and we're up in the north. But maybe more importantly is that we could have got up. We could have gone up in 2013. We played them at Wembley in the promotion playoff final. We'd done well against them in the league, beat them at home, drew them away. We were favourites, it was a horrible game, and they grabbed two late goals and went through. So they took the place we thought we could grab. I suppose with hindsight, Rob and Ryan probably wouldn't have taken over if, if we'd gone up. Maybe in the long term it's a good thing. Since going up, they've done okay, but they, they seem to be struggling a bit last couple of years. They had the good fortune of a fan winning the lottery and basically taking the club over. But as I understand it, that funding has sort of gone away a little bit. They play and they share a rugby pit ground, with, and so you know they don't have a sort of traditional home as such. Um, but they're yeah they're doing okay, but uh, yeah certainly a spicy rivalry. Notts County is a spicy rivalry. I don't know if I need to tell you much about this. They have played in the top tier. They are older than us, and that's that's a club of two, isn't it? Um, yeah, and there's not that bad a journey to Nottingham as well. It's so, yeah, all factors ticked. The rivalry of the last couple of seasons, of course, has been a bit of a blockbuster. And, yeah, we're delighted they came up with us. I don't think there's much more I can add to that. You don't know already. Salford City. I've gone spiciness four for this as well, even though we've only played them twice. But when we played them twice, oh, there was fun and games. Now, Salford City are another traditional non-league team. Salford is a city, although a lot of people don't realise that they think it's a, a suburb of Manchester, but it is an actual city in its own right, just sat to the south of Manchester. And they sort of run into each other, to be honest. Um, but they'd never got anywhere near the Football League. And just like Harrogate, when they, they got into the conference, that was their first season there. But they went straight through it. Uh, we They won in the playoffs, we were promotion rivals, and over the Christmas period, we had two very feisty encounters. The first one was at the race course. Now, Salford get a bit of stick because they were bought by 
very famous Manchester United players, the class of 92 they're known as, a group of youth players who came into Man United's side. Famously, the the big pundit on match the day, Alan Hansen, says after they'd lost their first game of the season at Aston Villa, you win nothing with kids. As you can hear, he was French. Uh, and he and uh, well, they went and proved him wrong because they were generational talents and were the backbone of the Man United team for a long, long time. And a lot of them got into business as well. So those players are, and you know, they're still the owners. So if you if you want a bit of celebrity sprinkled onto a match, David Beckham, Gary Neville, who's also seen as the best pundit, I would say, on TV now about football. Paul Scholes, who was, I mean, frankly probably the best attacking midfielder of his generation by some distance for England. Nicky Butt, who was a really good holding midfielder, who was outstanding in the World Cup for England in, I want to say, 2002, but it could be an earlier one. And I think there's someone else. Oh, Ryan Giggs, of course, the ex-Welsh manager. So they bought the club with Singaporean businessman um, Paul Lim, Paul Lim or Peter Lim, one of them's a darts player from the 80s, the other one, P Peter Lim, I reckon. Um, I think Peter Lim is probably the, the more hands-on investor, I think. People didn't like it because of the makeup of that ownership group. Peter Lim also owned Valencia and attempted to buy Liverpool, but Liverpool turned him down. And he's been very unpopular in Valencia as well. Salford... Like I said, came to the race course on Boxing Day in the season that we were toss, tussling with them for promotion, and it was sensational. We beat them 5-1. It was a spectacular performance. Um, there was a bit of spiciness, I would say, then, between our media team and theirs, and Gary Neville got involved, and so it all was a bit feisty when we then went back to, went to Salford for the return game, which is on New Year's Day or the day after, maybe the day after. And they beat us 2-0 and we just couldn't break through. We had a lot of the ball and we couldn't break through them. And so David Otimi went on to win. So they certainly gloated over that one. And I think Wrexham will see it as a... I, think this, I don't think Wrexham enjoyed our relationship with them much. We also mocked them soon afterwards because they, pu they published a brochure to encourage fans to buy season tickets for their first season in the Football League, which featured pictures of fans in red and white you know, going into the ground and it turned out they'd actually taken a picture of Wrexham fans because, well, you know, we would argue they couldn't find any pictures of massed Salford fans. So they got a picture of masses of Wrexham fans going to a Wrexham game and photoshopped it so that you couldn't see it was Wrexham and it looked like it was Salford, which caused us a great deal of amusement. I've got to say on a personal level, I was astonished when I went there to find first time ever, and I'm including going to all sorts of little clubs that are nowhere near this level of football. First time ever I've gone to a ground to commentate and there was no electricity. That is a first one on me. I assume they've addressed that by now. Uh, National League will, might allow someone to get away with something so astounding. Football League, highly unlikely to. Right, next up, another spicy one. Another four chilli spicy one. Stockport County, of course, we had that terrific battle with them the season before last in which they just pipped us to the title. They have got as far up as the second division. They had a good team in the 90s. Uh, Wrexham, Crew, and Stockport were all sort of struggling fourth division teams. I'd say probably Wrexham had the most history out of the three. 
when I was a kid in like the 80s. And then in the late 80s, early 90s, we all started to sort of get better and all went up together. So to, to old codgers like me, I'd say Stockport and crew have got a certain buzz about them when it comes to Wrexham playing them. But the, the Stockport always describe themselves as the friendly club. They're from near Manchester. Um, and they've often tried to position themselves as like the team that, might, that, that Man City or United fans might want to come and see when their teams are, are, are playing away. They used to play on Fridays sometimes to try and draw that crowd in. Um, so a pretty friendly club, but not necessarily with us, I'm afraid. And so the sort of the sort of off-pitch atmosphere has soured a little bit. There have been skirmishes in games, especially at Stockport, it seems. So, yeah, there's a, there's a certain... To be honest, uh, should be interesting. Nice sort of stadium as well, you know, keeps atmosphere in it well. So, it's, should be should be fun. AFC Wimbledon, yay! Now I've given them one chili for spiciness, and I felt guilty doing that because, well, they're they're the heroes who emerge from the ashes of the MK Dons taking their club up north. That's it, up north, north of London. So the fans built their own club, got up the divisions, they're fan-owned, fan-run, and it's a real delight to see that they got back into the Football League. They've then gone on to go as high as League One. I've, on the graphic, put third tier as the highest level they've reached with an asterisk because, you know, I mean, the their predecessors, Wimbledon, I mean, from a strictly procedural point of view, are a, you know, my MK Dons are a continuation of them. That that squad moved north, but from a spiritual and moral point of view, Wimbledon are the predecessors of AFC Wimbledon. I think they ultimately they fought a battle and ultimately got the trophies back that Wimbledon had won. So if you count Wimbledon as the predecessors, then they got into the top division, a team that was came through non-league into the league in the 70s, astonished everybody by flying through the divisions and causing big teams real problems. Very physical, aggressive style of play. Certainly wasn't that much fun on the eye, but then their achievements and the small budget were astounding, including winning the FA Cup, beating a magnificent Liverpool team in the final in 19... I want to say 89... This season, they are back for the first time in Wimbledon. And they're not in their old stadium because that is gone. There is a monument to it. The actual stadium we're on, though, is on the same street, a few hundred yards further down. So it's still called Plough Lane, like the old one was. So it'll be a first visit for Wrexham to that stadium. Right, now then. Next, we're looking at Sutton United. A club, again, traditional non-league team who have been successful in non-league, winning FA trophies, being in the conference a lot. But they finally went up three seasons ago and are now in the Football League and are sort of digging in mid-table League 2 sort of side. Uh, again, nice friendly people, nice traditional non-league ground as well. They used to play on artificial turf, how to get rid of that to be allowed into the, the Football League. It's the south of London. So it's quite close to Gatwick Airport. A little bit of a rivalry because, you know, we played against them quite a bit in the National League. Sometimes we were both looking to get promotion. 
But uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be a pleasant trip to go down for. And then you've got Swindon Town, a team who are much more re regular opponents than ours. They have got as far as well as the top level in the Premier League years as well. Although I think that was seen as a little bit of a surprise. They had Glenn Hoddle, who was a magnificent player in the 1980s for England uh, as player manager. And he really was quite forward thinking in the style of football he wanted to bring in. He used to play himself as an old fashioned sweeper behind the back four where he could pass the ball out and start attacks from deep. And he was very progressive and he did get them up into the top level. They are, though, usually, I would say, more third and fourth division, sometimes second tier as well. Um, got a nice, decent size, 15,000 capacity crowd. We played them quite a lot over the years. The exciting feature about their ground, of course, is that right next to it is the Magic Roundabout, one of the most ludicrous traffic calming systems in the world. A big roundabout with lots and lots of little roundabouts around it. Andy, who you'd have heard commentating on some of our matches, used to live in Swindon. And he gave me the advice because the first time I came across the Magic Roundabout, I was terrified. And he said, everyone's scared of it at first. You've just got to trust it works, put your foot down and go through it. And he was right. <laughs> so, yeah, some nice traffic stuff with Swindon. Hurrah. Tranmere. Ooh, that's a proper derby. Only 30 miles from Wrexham. On the Wirral, which is the peninsula next to Liverpool. Every, it is, it's Wirral, not the Wirral, but everyone says the Wirral. Uh, they have got as far as the second tier, although they traditionally, have really, when I was a kid, were always seen as a sort of fourth division side, one of the strugglers down the bottom of the fourth division. But they have had a renaissance, and although they dip back down into the National League and back up again, yeah, you, you always got a bit of respect for Tranmere. They've rebuilt their ground really nicely as well. Got a couple of big stands, and... They have potential to be a decent-sized club. Like Stockport, they shifted their games to Fridays in order to try and get Liverpool and Everton fans coming because, obviously, they were in the shadow of those two giant clubs. But a very sort of genuine rivalry between Wrexham and Tranmere. I'd say Chester and Shrewsbury are the ones that are really hot rivalries, but Tranmere's probably the next in line after that. Walsall. Now... Walsall, a team we've played against an awful lot, and maybe there's a little bit of extra sensitivity around it because they stole our manager. <laughs> Stole's not exactly fair. They they went by the book, don't get me wrong. But Dean Keats had us in fourth place coming into the run-in. I think there were 11 games left in the National League. That's, uh, what, about five years ago? And... He's from Walsall, he's a club legend at Walsall, and Walsall managed to tempt him to come across to them, uh, which was a blow to us. We lost form completely, and we didn't even get in the playoffs, but at the time we looked like we could win the title. Our club, again, traditionally, usually third, fourth division. Remember seeing them get into the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup in the 80s at their old ground, the Bescott. No, no, no. Fellows Park, their new ground is the best Scott, and their new ground is very striking because of its geography as much as anything else. Uh, they, it was built right where the M6 and the M5, two of the main motorways in Britain, join. And it's so, well, just, just a bit further on, but it's so, it's so in your face as you drive past it. They've got advertising hoardings on the side, you know, on the ground and everything, just to make sure that you don't miss that Walsall is there. So they're probably the football ground that people see most in all of Britain because those are two very busy motorways. The M6 goes up from the 
northwest all the way down to curl towards London and the M5 is the motorway that comes off it and goes all the way down into the southwest and the west country. So yeah, hell of a lot of people see Walsall's ground regularly. It's, it's quite quite cute and they have certainly made advantage of that. Oh, Stockport have always taken advantage of the fact that they're under the flight path of Manchester Airport by putting big adverts on the roof of their stands on the top so that people in planes can look down and be told what type of lager they should buy. Next up, Barrow. Now, Barrow, again, a team that have got as high as the second tier, but normally wouldn't be expected to get that far. They dropped out of the Football League in, I want to say, the 60s, could even be early 70s, and have clawed their way back in. They are, a you know, I mean, quite a smallish club. It's capacity 5,000. They're in their traditional stadium, Hulker Street, and it's, uh, it is a quite old, basic sort of grounds. A lot of character, having said that. They're quite feisty. Their fans are quite feisty as well. Um, so often tends to be quite a sort of scrappy affair up there. They're, they're very full-throated in their support too, so they tend to whip up a real atmosphere at Barrow. So they could be... You know, they're, they're generally a tough proposition when you go up there as well. But like I said, they've, they've, they've rarely really got too high up the ladder. Bradford City. Now, you, you might argue Bradford City is the biggest club in League Two, really. They've been in the Premier League, hung on there for a couple of seasons. They have got a crowd at a capacity of 25,000 at their Stadium Valley Parade. And yeah, they're a, they're a big club, really. They have spent plenty of time in the fourth division, third and fourth, but you feel they should be a little bit higher. Bradford essentially runs into Leeds. They're very close to each other in mid in Yorkshire. They have Mark Hughes, very, very high-profile manager, who comes from New Abbott, which is what, about six miles down the road from Wrexham, Welsh international manager, great Welsh international player, and a, man and a manager in the Premier League for a number of different clubs. But he's at Bradford now, which is something of a coup. And they'll be looking for promotion this season, no question about it. Their stadium used to be very unusual. It's built on the side of a hill. So basically, one stand on one side has got the entrance to turnstiles at the top of the stand. Which is, can't really think of any other examples of that. And then you go into the stand from above. And then the opposite side used to be tiny, just about three rows of terrace, something like that because there was a hill underneath it and they couldn't build on there much. They've now addressed that and they've built essentially on stilts so they've got a much bigger ground. The stadium though, before that change happened was the site of an absolutely horrific disaster in 1985. It was tragic, I don't to talk about it really, but uh, where they'd won promotion. Their last game of the season was a sort of celebratory game which turned terrible because there was a fire in that stand where you enter from the top which picked up very quickly and over 50 people were killed. Absolutely horrific inferno. So, yeah, Bradford should always be respected for the fact that they've gone through that. When Wrexham were going through trouble in the season that we got, went down, 
we played at Bradford and the Bradford fans organised a bucket collection for us, which is also something that really should not be forgotten. So it's it's a it's a, it's a good sort of rivalry, something quite similar as sides clubs. they I'd say that historically bigger than us, but you know the the similarities and, and but there's also a certain friendship I would say between the two clubs. Right now then, Colchester United in Essex, just to the north of London, and a traditional lower division team again. There ain't going to be that much to say about them. They we've played them in a couple of memorable matches, but memorable just because of the coincidence of their timing, like. Our celebration game after getting promoted in 93 was at home to them and that was quite a fun party. We beat them 4-2. But there's not a huge amount of history between us. They've moved to a new stadium. They used to play in a, a little stadium called Layer Road and they've now moved out of there into one of these stadiums that look like everywhere else. Uh, but there's not much else to say. They're a, they're a Roman city and they're, they're a traditional army city as well. In fact, fab fact, oh, I hope this is the, is the right town, isn't it? The, if you know the nursery rhyme Humpty Dumpty, it's written about Colchester. Because believe it or not, Humpty Dumpty was a cannon that was being used in the English Civil War. And when the sold troops who were attacking Colchester hit it, that was a major moment in them winning the battle and taking over Colchester. I think it was the Roundheads taking it over from the Cavaliers, I think. And so it was actually a cannon. And if you think about the words of Humpty Dumpty, it actually makes sense. As the Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, because it was mounted on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's, yeah, it was the royalists, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. So yeah, Humpty Dumpty, always portrayed as a big egg, is actually a cannon. That's all I've got to say about Colchester, really. Right, Crawley. Now, Crawley are another traditional long league team, if that. But they were taken over by wealthy owners. There was a lot of discomfort about this because of the very cloak and dagger about their um, identities. And they got up into the National League, did pretty well in the National League, and then went up. We were contenders against them and we played them twice in a week near the end of the season and it was sort of seen as well, if we can get good results, we stay in the title battle. We were 2-0 up at Crawley, Andy Mangan scored two early goals and we lost it 3-2 because their striker Matt Tubbs scored a hat-trick. So that was painful and we drew 0-0 at the race course and our title hopes were over at that point. So Crawley went up. Like I said, a lot of people not sure about, you know, they, they seem to be funded by a benefactor, a sort of mysterious benefactor, rather than, you know, you sort of worry that with the crowds they get, will they be able to sustain it? Well, that money sustained them because they went up and then they went up again, straight up into the third tier, but they've come back down now. And last year they were very close to dropping out of the Football League that, boost they've had of investments doesn't seem to be happening anymore and they're going to have a, a challenging time I think this year to keep going and keep in there they are close to Gatwick fact Crew Alexandra proper traditional rivals of ours only, only what 30 miles away something like that 
right next to Crewe Station, which is the most famous station in Britain, really, apart from the big London ones, because that's it's a massive interchange. Lots of lines meet there, so lots of journeys take in Crewe, including a lot of our journeys south. They've got as far as the second tier. Traditionally, they've always been seen as a sort of bit of a fourth-tier struggling team, but as I mentioned earlier, they've had a little bit of a renaissance. Um, now a more of a yo-yo team, I'd say, between third and fourth. But yes, we have a rivalry. We've played them a, an awful lot. It's not that far away. And yet, for some reason, clubs like Shrewsbury, certainly, I think, and Tranmere, they feel a bit more feisty somehow than the crew rivalry. Doncaster Rovers is in Yorkshire and is a club that dropped down. They were one of the early teams to drop out of the National League when automatic relegation was brought in. Sorry, drop into the National League from the Football League. But they bounced quickly back up and used that momentum and got up as high as the Championship. They've now come back down again. Another third, fourth division yo-yo team, you would say. We played them a lot, but I can't honestly say there's an awful lot of spice in this relationship. And Forest Green Rovers. Now, there's a little bit more spicy here, I would argue. Um, another team who are a traditional National League side, very successful, without really quite getting up for a number of years. They were then taken over by Dale Vince, who is a, a businessman who's made a lot of money out of green electricity um, energy. And I'm really, I've got to be honest, I'm really conflicted about them. I've got to be frank. He's put money in. And turned them into a club that could and eventually did get into the Football League. Although they took a few years of trying with a big budget. They, they, they spent a lot of money on a lot of players and they didn't gel for a few years. And I think the rest of us in the National League were quite enjoying the fact that they just couldn't quite get value for money. They have got into the Football League now. They did get as high as the third tier, but they were relegated last season. But, uh, you see... There's an awful lot of what Vince is doing there that I applaud. Yeah, we have an environmental issue on our hands. Green electricity is a good thing. Uh, and, and so, in that sense, I like it. He's brought a lot of his values in. He's vegan as well. So they're the only vegan football club. A lot of people seem to have a bit of a sort of weird issue with this. I don't see why. <laughs> they can choose to do that if they want to. Um, absolutely. Um, but there's, there's something about Vince sometimes that makes me think he's he's maybe putting his profits a little bit higher than he ought to be around the club. That might be very unfair of me. I don't know. He's been talking for a while about a, a brand new eco-friendly stadium, which will be the, the first car, uh, net zero stadium in the world. Um, so let's see what happens. It is going to be conveniently placed on a motorway, which means you'll have to use, you'll be encouraged to use your cars again. It's not by a railway station. It's that sort of little niggly thing, you know? Got a lot of very positive uh, publicity when they decided that their pitch would only be treated organically. I, again, I applaud that. They, the, what the made the sort of mainstream media who pick up on them a lot didn't bother to go as far as to check was how good was that pitch? Their pitch was often horrible to play on <laughs> so you know maybe they weren't using the best organic methods and of course they're interesting close season and a lot of people have seen this negatively because they appointed a female manager uh, only temporarily as a caretaker manager in between managers and a lot of people and I've got, i'm not one of them actually in this one a lot of other things i do feel a bit wary about them but a lot of people feel it was a gimmick 
my argument would be that she was running the academy. She was a legitimate choice. So why shouldn't she be chosen? So actually, on this occasion, I'm on Forest Green's side. But um, and it was never going to be a permanent appointment, as far as I can see. But yeah, the, the Forest Green is a lot nice about them, and there's there's some things I think mm, I'm not as convinced. And there's a personal opinion. I don't know. And there we are. We have done all the clubs. So enjoy the rest of the season. And, you know, maybe slip out a quick bit of Humpty Dumpty knowledge just to impress your family and friends. Who knows? This is the podcast that keeps on giving. All the way through this podcast, Laszlo, the podcasting cat, has been sitting listening on Sherry, Motel from Mars's flag, which he has turned into his own personal nest. He's a very happy man. So we've had the full Arthur Exum experience. He's purring down. You can hear I'm talking about him, bless him. Good man. Right, so, ta-ta, chaps.